Welcome to Through the Bible. Today our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, takes us to Galatians chapter 5 to continue our study of Christian living. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz. Why don't you hop aboard the Bible bus and find your seat? And as we get started, we have just a few moments to share some really good letters from our fellow listeners. So let's welcome Through the Bible's president, Greg Harris. Greg? Hey, Steve. I hear you brought us some stories. Oh, yeah, for a change. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, I bring stories. Other people do a lot of work, and, yes. and they put together what we share. A lot of people ask us, do you guys use notes? And, uh, and we say, no, we're really just talking to one another. But we have, of course, the letters are prepared. Yeah. And I love what our team put at, at the top of this note for us, that these are refreshing letters. And mm. the reason I want to key in on that is... That's why we need to hear your story. Yeah. I know, I know you and I, you know, we have work a day lives. You have your businesses and you're helping us in the ministry. And, and we, we talked earlier this month about it's not all a bed of roses. And when you and I come in the studio and we read these letters, I, it refreshes Yeah, our It vision. is such an encouragement. Yeah. You know, sometimes you think about going into the studio and it's like, Okay, we gotta do this. Okay, we gotta do this. Yeah. And then as soon as we're into the first program and dialoguing, it's like, it's just such a refreshment. Yeah. And so I hope that A, you will be refreshed as you hear what God is doing and B, that you will refresh us with your story. Okay. Yeah. That's a subtle ask, by the way, that that Greg is doing. Not real subtle, but you guys have been listening for a long time. You know, (laughs) and there's great transformation that's happened in your life and there's people that have been impacted by the ministry. Would you tell us? Yes. Right. Please. Or email us. BibleBus at ttb.org. Right. Or find us on any number of social media platforms. Okay. But let's hear these wonderful, refreshing letters. Why don't you start? Okay. The first one's from Marilyn from Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I listened to Through the Bible on Bot Radio 95.3, and I was surprised to learn that my seven-year-old son, Andrew, listens too. It came up the other night at dinner. We asked if Andrew would like to say thanks over our dinner. In the middle of his prayer, he was asking for God to provide funds for him to attend church camp. He prayed, Lord, would you just sell some cows so I can go? (laughs) My husband and I were curious. What cows? We're not farmers, and I'm a teacher, and my husband is an accountant. Well, Andrew said he heard Dr. McGee say that say <laughs> that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that we should ask God to sell some cows to provide for <laughs> that us. That is awesome. That is so funny. Well, you have to love a child's faith. Through the Bible is often playing in our home. I just didn't realize how much was getting through. Thank you for your ministry in our home. Wow. Mm. So moving. So moving. Now, here's... Uh, one that is from an Arabic language speaker who lives in the U.S. from um, Majdi. You are the best Arabic program in the world. Okay, we can just stop there. That's yeah. a great. That's a great testimony. But <laughs> Majdi goes on. While I was in Iraq, I used to listen to your program, and am now residing in the USA. I still do, but through the streaming. Arabic TTB is part of my life. For the Word of God is explained the best through your episodes. Thank you, and bless you always. Hmm. Here's another one. This is from Ron in Edmonton, Washington. I pray for God to bless and refine through the Bible as the Lord gives you guidance. I thank God for all of you. There is a richness and quality of life and a joy that comes from hearing the whole word. Amen to that, Ron. Mm. I am blessed knowing that I get to take part in the word of God going to the whole world. And let me just say, that letter wasn't a dramatic life transformation. That was a letter from the heart of somebody 
that's on this journey through life and through the Word of God with us. So thank you, Ronnie. You don't have to have some miraculous transformation story. Just tell us what's in your heart. Yeah, and Ron, thank you for praying, by the way, that God would bless through the Bible. That's a very common prayer. But also you use the word refine. Yes. And I think that's important because we are looking at curating the content. We're doing some stuff where we're pulling out pieces of Dr. McGee. We have this thing called Minute with McGee that we're very excited about that we've talked about in the past. And that's part of the refining process. And our team is working very hard to do that. So thank you for your prayers in that area. Yes. And we we do want to realize that refining. Okay. We have just enough time to hear from Marsha from White Lake, Michigan. I had unexpected surgery two days before Christmas. It was necessary and more painful than I ever thought it would be. Two weeks later, my mom passed away. Praise God, she knew the Lord and is with her Savior. But between the pain and the grief, I spent many hours crying out to the Lord. I've been on the Bible bus for 23 years in March. As we studied Second Chronicles 20, God spoke to me and said, I will fight this battle, grief and pain, for you. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then she continues to say, keep giving out the word, all of it. We are listening and growing and grateful. Hmm. Wow. That is such an encouragement. Thank you, Marcia, for that. Let me pray for us as we begin our study today. Lord, we are so thankful for the many people that support through the Bible, through their prayers. What a humbling experience and to know that, that so many people are bringing this ministry before you. And I just pray that you would answer their prayers, Lord, that you would continue to bless it, not for our glory, but for your own, Lord, and for the glory of your word, that people would have a better understanding of it as a result of through the Bible. Bless it now as it goes out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now get ready as the Bible bus rolls through Galatians 5 on Through the Bible. My friends, today we will get right down to where the rubber meets the road. Right down where your shoe leather touches the sidewalk. Right down to the nitty-gritty today. We're going to see what does it mean to walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is the principle. The Christian life is not a balloon ascension where you have some great overpowering experience and you soar to the heights. It's a daily walk, and a walk is one of the most, well, I would say rather monotonous things. It's a matter of putting one foot ahead of the other, as we're going to see here just a little later. But it's all important that we learn to walk in the Spirit. And now he's making it very clear what the works of the flesh are. We saw that last time. It's an ugly brood, a list of sensual sins, religious sins, social sins and personal sins. And it's not a very attractive list. Now, if you go through that and find out that there is enmity in your heart today, hatred for another believer, you are living in the flesh. I mean, let's face it. There's no use beating around the bush. You can know whether you're living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, or living in the flesh. And you know whether you're joined to a little sect or a little clique and that you judge everybody else outside of that clique, but everybody in the clique's perfect, or you think they are anyway. At least you don't say it to their face. And then are you filled with envyings? That's the work of the flesh. That's what this old natural man does. Now, having said that, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to notice the contrast that we have here. Works of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit. Now, works of the flesh what you do. 
And that Ten Commandments was given, as you can see, to control the flesh. But now the Christian life is to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Very interesting thing about fruit. The Lord Jesus talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and you have that in the 15th of the Gospel of John. He said that without him we could do nothing, <laughs> and that fruit is what he wants. He wanted fruit and more fruit and much fruit. And his desire is that we bring forth the good seed. You remember in the parable he gave, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Now, he'd like to get us up where we could really be a fruit-bearing tree for him, or I should say a branch in the vine. And a bunch of grapes here, ooh, it has quite a few kinds of fruit that are here. Now, the Lord Jesus had a great deal to say about the fruit of the Spirit. That is what he meant in John 15. That's what he's talking about. Fruit, he says. And the fruit is produced by the Lord Jesus using the Spirit of God to produce fruit in our lives. He wants to live his life through us. That's the reason I keep saying that you are never asked to live the Christian life. You're asked to let him live it through you. And the reason is we can't. This old nature of ours can't produce it. And the interesting thing is, Paul makes it clear in the seventh of Romans, the new nature has no power. He said, the will is present with me, but how to perform it I find not. And believe me, that's the problem with many of us. How do you do it? This is not a do-it-yourself thing, but how am I going to let the Spirit of God produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Now, the very interesting thing about fruit is that, and I use the illustration always of my ranch. I have a ranch up here in Pasadena. It's not what you call a big ranch. It's 72 feet wide, goes back about 123 feet, I guess. And my house where I live is right in the middle of it. And I have a nice nectarine tree out in front, and believe me, it really produces fruit. And then I have some orange trees, and they do well have some avocado trees, they don't do so well. And I have some guava bushes, and they do well. And I have a plum tree, and I have an apricot tree. You can see I'm quite a rancher. Four avocado trees, I have three orange trees, and I'm really in the ranching business. Now, one of the things I enjoy is going out and looking at my trees. Oh, I have a lemon tree, too. And there's never a period during the year here in California that I do not have fruit on some tree. Sometimes there'll be a few avocados, a lot of times oranges, and a lot of times lemons, and nectarines, and plums, and apricots, always something. And I've observed that fruit is produced by the tree, not by effort. I just don't think, as far as I can tell, the branches get together, and somehow or another, that they, you know, gang up and say, now let's all of us work pretty hard and see what we can do for this fellow McGee here, because he likes fruit. And I do enjoy fruit. And it's wonderful. I have some friends that send me apples each year at Christmas time, and some send me oranges, and then during the year, other kinds of fruit. And it's all delicious. I love fruit. And so these limbs, as far as I can tell, they bear fruit. They never get together. They just open up the branches there to the sunshine and to the rain, and they produce it. <laughs> they'll bloom, and then the little fruit's green, and it grows, and it becomes ripe. 
And that's the way it does it. Now, as far as I know, those limbs never leave the trunk of the tree either. As far as I can tell, that night, I know back New Year's Eve, I looked out around 12 o'clock and the branches were still on the trees. I don't think they'd get down and run around. But the problem with us is, it's like this, when we offer our sacrifice to God ourselves as a living sacrifice, when the altar gets hot, I crawl off of it. And maybe you do that. And we are to abide in Christ. If we are to produce fruit, we're told. The Lord Jesus now put it that way. Now, Paul is going to put it right down where you and I can get it, by the way. The fruit is produced by yielding, you see. Yielding to the sweet influences that are about us. And what is the sweet influence about us? Well, not this world. Well, it's the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And the Holy Spirit wants to produce the fruit. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And you notice it doesn't say our love, joy, peace. It's is love. Now, we can argue about the grammar, but it happens to be singular in the Greek, which would indicate that love is the fruit. And from it stems all other fruit, by the way. Love is primary. Without it, Paul said, for instance, that's the purpose of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 wasn't ever intended to be taken out of the Bible and put in a beautiful frame and put on a wall in somebody's house. It belongs to the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says there that the gifts are not to be exercised except by the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And with love goes all the other fruits of the Spirit. You can't exercise a gift without doing it by the fruit of the Spirit. And love is all important. Why, he says, if you could even give your body to be burned, give everything you got, and you haven't loved, you're a zero. You're nothing. You're a goose egg with a rib rubbed off of it. That's nothing. My friend, we need to recognize that today. And he makes it very clear that no gift is to be exercised by itself. And he says, love never seeks its own. (laughs) It's always doing it for others. And a gift is to be always exercised in the church. It's a manifestation of the Spirit to all believers. All believers have a gift. And it's to be exercised for profit. That is, for the benefit of the body of believers. My eye operates for the benefit of the rest of my body. It gets the rest of my body around. And it's pretty important, you see. You can't imagine the eyes walking out on me and saying, look, we're like looking around. Your feet get tired, and so we're going to take off. It never does it that way. And we need to recognize that no gift apart from the fruit of the Spirit is to be exercised. So this is very important. And this is the kind of fruit the Lord Jesus was talking about in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That is, there's no law that can produce these. And there's no law against them, and there's no law to produce them. You can't do any of these by your own effort. Have you ever tried being meek, for instance? Why, if you even tried being meek and accomplished it, well, you'd be proud that you became meek, and then you'd lose your meekness, you see, your humility. Now, let's look at these fruits, because they're lovely. Oh, this is the thing we ought to find in believers. 
I used to hear the late Dr. Jim McGinley say, I'm not to judge you, but I'm a fruit inspector. And I have a right to come around and look at the fruit. (laughs) Are you producing any in your life? And now will you notice there's fruit of the Spirit. The first three are inward, love, joy, and peace. The next three are manward, out to others. And the last three are to Godward. They look up. So what you really have here is a triangle. You're at one corner of the triangle at the bottom, and the other person is at the other corner. And then up above is God at the other corner of the triangle. If I could draw you a picture, that's the way I draw it here. And I have these now listed like this, love, joy, and peace. Now, love and joy ought to be in your heart and life. And friends, if there's sensual sins in your life, You'll never know what real love is. There's a lot of these young folk today that know a great deal about sex, but they know nothing about love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. And I think it's that kind of love that God will actually give a husband for his wife and a wife for a husband. I don't think any two can love like two Christians can love. My, how they can love each other. And how wonderful it is. I never shall forget the night I proposed to my wife. And she didn't accept then, but when she did, we just had prayer and dedicated our lives. I told her, I said, I'm a preacher that speaks out very plainly, and I may get in trouble, and someday we may find ourselves out on the street, and I never shall forget. She says, well, I'll just beat the drum for you if you have to get out on the street. May I say to you, that went to a higher place, and then when we lost our first little one, And I didn't want the doctor to tell her. I went in and told her. And when I told her about it, we just wept there together. But then we prayed, you know. I don't know. There's something that you get like that. And then there's joy. And the Lord Jesus came that you can have fun. I wish we had more fun time in the church today. The world outside has what they call, you know, the happy hour. And these cocktail parlors, and they don't look happy to me when they go in. They're sure not happy looking when they come out. A bunch of sots, if you please. And that's not joy. John says, these things we write unto you that your joy might be full. Boy, that you might really enjoy life. Are you really living it up today, friend? I hope you are as a believer. And then peace. That's the peace of God. And religion can never give this to you. Only Christ can give you peace. And that's that deep down peace. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's some others. Notice here, long-suffering, patient is the word, long-tempered. Oh, here's where I need a little help, by the way. And only the Spirit of God can do it. I found out I can't do it. And gentleness means kindness. And goodness here means kind but firm. And faith here means faithfulness. If you're a child of God, you're going to be faithful. If you're married, you'll be faithful to your husband or wife. If you're a Christian, you're going to be faithful to your job, your boss. If you are a church member, you're going to be faithful to your church. And you're going to be faithful wherever you are. And then there's meekness. And that doesn't mean mildness. The two men that were meek was Moses and the Lord Jesus. Look at Moses coming down from that mountain and what he said to his brother Aaron and what he did. That doesn't look like meekness, but he was. And the Lord Jesus, he ran the money changers out of the temple, but he's meek. Meekness is not mildness, and it's not weakness. Meekness means that you'll do God's will. 
and yield your will to the will of God. And these are Godward. And then there's temperance and self-control. And that's something we need, a poise, a Christian poise that is needed by so many today. Now, will you notice what he says here? And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. When? Well, they reckon that when Christ died, they died. And they yield themselves on that basis, as Paul puts it in Romans. Now, here we have in verse 25 the very key to it all. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, a professor in a theological seminary called my attention to this several years ago, and it's meant a great deal to me. Back in verse 16, it's walk in the Spirit. That word is actually peripateo. But in verse 25, it's a different word. And the word here, actually, it's stoico. Stoico man is the Greek word here. And that means that which is basic and elemental. It means to proceed or to step in order. In other words, this is a different word from the word walk in verse 16. There we're given the principle of walk. It means to learn to walk here. Now, just as we learn to walk physically by the trial and error method, we're to begin to walk by the Spirit. It's a learning process. Now, let me illustrate that with a very ridiculous illustration, if I might do that. What is walking? Well, walking is putting one foot in front of another. You've heard the story about the knock-kneed girl that one knee said to the other, and if you let me by this time, I'll let you by next time. That's walking, putting one foot in front of another. Now, this means to learn to walk. How did you learn to walk, by the way? <laughs> Were you given a lecture, or did you go to a school and, and take a course in learning to walk? Well, my little grandson, he was with us in the summer when he was just about 16, 17 months old. He was just standing and wobbling along. And I didn't put him in his high chair and said, Now, look here, young fellow, I want to give you my lecture on learning to walk. And I told him about the physical mechanism of the foot. And then I gave him the psychology of walking. And then I told him all about the sociological implications of walking. And then he lifted the top of his high chair and got down and walked off. Is that the way it happened? No, my friend, that's not the way you learn to walk. Why, well, you learn to walk by trial and error. A little fellow, you know, he fell down. Man, he had a big nut on his forehead where he fell. And he fell many times. Then when we brought him out here not long ago, do you know he could just walk right on off? And he just did it by learning, just by doing it. Now, that's the way we are to learn to walk in the Spirit trial and error. I know people that have been to Keswick conferences, spiritual life conferences, Bible conferences, and they've got notebooks filled with notes on the Christian life, how to live it, and still they're not living it. What's the problem? You're to learn to walk in the Spirit, and that means you're to start out now. Say, I'm going to walk in the Spirit now. I'm going to depend on the Spirit of God to produce the fruits in my life. Somebody says, I think I'll fall down. I have news for you. You are going to fall down. Oh, that'll hurt. Sure, it's going to hurt. How many times? I don't know. I'm still falling. <laughs> May I say to you, that's the way you're going to walk in the Spirit, and that's the only way you're going to walk in the Spirit is just to get down and do it yourself. Now, this is a do-it-yourself. You've got to do your own thing. <laughs> you, my friend, need to step out today and lean upon the Spirit of God. Yield yourself. It's an act of the will. And start out. And I try to start out every day and say, Lord, I can't do it today by myself. But you can. 
and I want you to do it through me. And I find out sometimes I don't get 10 blocks from home. Some woman cuts in ahead of me in one of uh, these little Volkswagens, and I've been so nice and sweet up to then. And I tell you, I drive up by the side of her as I did one woman. I told her what she'd done, and she told me right back. And you know, it wasn't very nice. And when she drove off, I thought, my, I sure fell on my face. What, let's get up and start over again. Why not do that? Let us not be desirous of vainglory. You're not going to be a wonderful saint of God. I have news for you. We never become wonderful saints of God. He's wonderful. Oh, my friend, he is wonderful. He's worthy of our worship. Let us get down like little babies and start out and let's learn to walk today. That's what he wants us to do, provoking one another. That is encouraging one another, in envying one another. No, not doing that. We are not to do that, my friend. We are to get down and walk in the Spirit today. May God help us in this tremendous enterprise. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Just step out. Well, that's great encouragement, isn't it? If you'd like more information on living a life that pleases God, you can download Dr. McGee's free booklet titled Living the Christian Life God's Way. It's a great booklet. You should really check it out. Go to ttb.org forward slash booklets. Download it for free. Or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I sure hope that you'll join me here next time as we continue to make our way through the Bible. Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.